1: Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month
0: to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. Now my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Oh, look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give up a show. Tonight, 8, 7 Central on CBS.
1: Start the show talking about the latest from North Carolina's Chapel Hill campus and the fact that they're going to remote learning just a a very short time into the academic year here and what that could mean for football uh, this year, uh, both at UNC and in the ACC. Our next guest actually wrote... A really a really good look at this on The Athletic and a pretty comprehensive look. Uh, he covers UNC and Duke for The Athletic. You know him here uh, previously of the Charlotte Observer. He is Brendan Marks, and he joins us now on the Technicom Hotline. Brendan, welcome back to the show, bud.
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. I, I know there's uh, always a lot to talk about, but especially right now.
1: Absolutely, and some of it we wish we didn't have to talk about. But for those of you, or for those who haven't read the stories coming out of Chapel Hill, what led to the UNC decision to return all undergraduate classes to online courses?
2: Right. So, uh, obviously, not an easy decision for the the UNC system, or especially Chapel Hill, to have to make. But um, a week after the semester resumed, so so yesterday would have been seven days since the start of the. Fall semester, um, in that single week, UNC's COVID numbers sort of spiked. So, uh, you know, in in that week alone, I've got the UNC COVID dashboard pulled up right in front of me. This week alone, there were 130 students and five employees who tested positive. And and obviously, those are very concerning numbers. And um, from hopping on a call yesterday with uh, Chancellor Kevin Guskowitz and some of the members of the faculty executive committee, you see that that was only the starting point. There are four confirmed clusters, three in residence halls, a fourth in a fraternity. Um, and again, that's, that's all that is known. That is all that is confirmed so far. So there's a potential, obviously, for much more. And, and because of those daunting numbers, just one week back in the semester, UNC making the um, unfortunate decision to, to send as many students as possible home and, and shift all undergraduate classes to online.
0: Brendan, I'll echo your comment to, or column today. Rather, was was tremendous on on what's happening right now. You ended it by saying that none of this should have happened. Why is that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing, and, and this is something that uh, you know we've heard for so many weeks now, and, and obviously athletes have been back, you know, on college campuses for for the better part of two and a half months now. But for regular students, that was always going to be the litmus test. It was always going to be how did colleges. Who, who were slowly phasing in athletes, who were doing all these tests. And, and by the way, seeing positives while they were doing those tests, how are they going to suddenly accommodate not only an influx of 10 to 20,000 students, but at the same time, how are you going to make sure that you have uh, some grasp and control around what the kids are doing once they get there? And very clearly what was shown was that UNC did not have that grasp. So when, when I said this didn't need to happen, these kids shouldn't have been here in the first place. And students voiced their concerns ahead of time. Faculty voiced their concerns ahead of time. The Orange County uh, Health Board, the the county commissioner of Orange County, they all voiced their concerns. They all recommended that in-person learning be pushed back at minimum of five weeks, kids not to be brought back onto campus unless it was absolutely a dire situation. And UNC just sort of rammed ahead with the plan anyways, didn't test everyone when they were coming back to campus. And now they're going to be sending these kids back out into their own communities, having been exposed, and now their individual communities, their families are the ones who are going to have to bear this burden of consequences. And and it's just something that didn't need to happen. These kids never should have been there in the first place. Um, Just just a a mess, a a total mess, and, and one that certainly could have been avoided.
0: Yeah, well, I, and I agree. And, and the kids who are staying on campus, as you have mentioned, and everybody knows at this point, is the football team. You you mentioned something in your piece where you say, you know, it depends on how you interpret this line from the bottom of the release's fifth paragraph. UNC said residents who have hardships, such as lack of access to reliable internet, uh, international students or student-athletes will have the option to remain on campus. Brendan, I don't know about you, but I don't consider being a student-athlete a hardship. Uh, How do you interpret that line?
2: Yeah, you know, I I think one of those things very much is not like the other two. Um, You know, if if kids are coming from a a home situation that is um, dangerous or or they don't have uh, the learning materials that they need to, to actually continue with their education. Obviously, that's one situation. International students, there's there's obviously so many complicated aspects of going back and forth out of the country right now. Um, And then student athletes, right? So, you you know, and like you said, you know, most of the time we don't think of student athletes as hardships. And what this is really doing is it is exposing uh, sort of the amateurism and the flaws of the amateurism model of the NCAA. And, And by bringing these students back, you were trying to prove a point, I think. Maybe not directly, but you were trying to say, listen, student athletes, kids, we can all do the same thing. But but we've clearly shown that that's not the case. And as we're seeing at Notre Dame now, and we've seen it dozens of colleges around the country, and unfortunately, we're going to continue to see around the country, student athletes are so insulated, they have such a strong support system around them, that comparing their situation to normal normal students is, is just completely different animals. These are people who have nutritionists Dietitians, specific trainers, they've got tutors, they've got their own residence halls, they're getting tested frequently. They have all of these resources at their disposal that normal students don't have access to. And, and so really now you're seeing what them saying. You can't possibly say that these kids are not being given preferential treatment. You can't possibly say that they're the same as every other student. And it's just continuing down this slippery slope of exposing the NCAA's flawed amateurism model. Because that's what it is. It's flawed. And it's eventually going to come to a head, and I really think this is going to be a substantial blow to anyone arguing that the college athletes are the same as other college students. This very clearly shows they're not.
1: Brendan Marks of The Athletic joining us on the Technicom Hotline here on Wilson & Parcel on Sports Radio FNZ. We're discussing the latest out of uh, Chapel Hill here with UNC and the decision for uh, all students, all undergraduate coursework to go and shift to remote learning here in terms of, of that impact, uh, how is this going to impact the Tar Heels' ability to play foot uh, football this fall?
2: Right. So uh, sort of in a in a weird roundabout way, this helps. Um, you know, we, we had a Zoom call this morning with Mac Brown, and he said yesterday's news doesn't really affect us. And that's because it doesn't, because these athletes were already mostly insulated. They went to practice. They went to their classes. If they went to them in person, few of them did. Most of them were already online. Practice classes, bed. I mean that's their that's their life right now. He said we, we have three months where we cannot have social lives. We cannot exist as social beings. And so now you're sending all these kids away, that's fewer opportunities for these kids to be distracted, it's fewer parties that are being held, it's fewer uh, you know, campus walkbys with people who might have the virus you're creating much more of a semi-bubble. And I thought Mac Brown put it really nicely. He said, this actually gives us a better seal. Because having the kids on campus was what was as much of a threat to college athletics happening as anything that the college athletes are actually doing. The the athletes are following the rules they have to to abide by all these athletics protocols. It was everybody else that was causing the problem, causing the concern. You become afraid that there's going to be... Uh, you know, some sort of exposure or contact between a non-athlete and an athlete. It's crazy that we're sort of grouping them this way, but but that's the way it is. And so now, with these kids not here, you have a semi-bubble, and and I think there's a pretty realistic chance that UNC and and some of these other schools that haven't pulled the plug on football, they're really going to try and do this thing, and and I think that the, the move yesterday in Chapel Hill certainly helps their cause.
0: Brendan, I thought you were spot on a minute ago when you mentioned how this has exposed the flaws in the NCAA's amateurism model. They have for years tried to prop these kids up as students first, athletes second, and that the athletics are just just a byproduct of being at the campus. We know that's not the case. So in your eyes, and I don't mean necessarily in Chapel Hill over the next month. I mean, big picture college football next 10 years. What's the solution? Yeah,
2: you know, I, I think pretty, pretty easily we're going to come to a head on this whole issue. You know, I mean, eventually we're going to come to the point where we have to realize that student athletes, um, if you even choose to use that term, you know, the, the Daily Tar Heel, the student newspaper at UNC that made headlines yesterday with their colorful headline, uh, which, which I love. But but they've stopped using that term student-athlete because they, it's not true. It's not reality. They are not student-athletes. They are athletes who are also being given an education. So I think what we're going to see is in the next year, as individual state legislatures start passing these bills, they're set to come into effect, I believe, in July of 2021, where athletes are going to be able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. We have until that point to establish some sort of status quo, because otherwise you're going to end up with a sort of broken, splintered, state-by-state problem that you sort of saw more broadly with the country in COVID and, and different States reopening and having their own issues. So eventually we are going to get to a point where athletes are being compensated. For their skills they are producing so much revenue for these universities and and the idea that they should not be compensated in the era of player empowerment that we see now it's just not going to fly anymore so by next summer we're going to have some resolution one way or another on athletes being given what they deserve to be given in my opinion um because otherwise you're going to end up with potential high school recruits let's say sam howell coming out of uh you know nearby charlotte if he has an offer from UNC and an offer from Florida State, and Florida State's going to pay him or, or give him the opportunity to earn scholarship money, and he can't do that in North Carolina, guess where he and every other prospect with that choice is going? They're going where they can make the money. So July of next summer is sort of the deadline, but, but before that point, and, and definitely by that point, this is going to have to come to a head where athletes are getting what they're doing.
1: You can follow him on Twitter, at Brendan R. Marks. He is Brendan Marks of The Athletic on the Technicom hotline. Brendan, great to talk with you, buddy. Hope hope everything's going well, and uh, again, thanks for your time.
2: You as well. Hope you guys are all staying safe, and uh, I'm loving all the Panthers' training camp tweets. Keep it up.